ABC Listen. Hello, hello, my friends. It's Ruby here, and you are listening to News Time. Hello, Ruby. Hello. On the show this week, we're going mustering, rounding up some sheep with Australia's best working dog. We'll also meet a dressmaker who's making beautiful gowns out of some strange materials. We'll celebrate some Aussie soccer stars and hear the story of a quick-thinking teenager who helped save his friend's life. And, of course, after that, it'll be time for... Wow of the Week! Yes, that's it! What do you think? Are you ready? Let's jump on in. OK, here we go. Story number five. A working dog is a dog that helps out farmers who live on farms or big properties. It rounds up the animals. When the sheep escape, it gets them back into the cage. Yes, and there's a competition called the Cobber Challenge. Every year, working dogs compete to be crowned the best in the whole of Australia and New Zealand. The dogs in the running for this title have GPS trackers attached to their collars. That means the judges can track how well they work on farms. How good and fast they are. Exactly. Over three weeks, the trackers measure how fast and how far the dogs run. This year, the winner was a rusty-coloured Kelpie named Earl. Earl works with his owner Alex on a farm in northeast Tasmania. Earl is blind in one eye. That means sometimes he accidentally bumps into things. But it doesn't slow him down. Even with his limited vision, Earl ran faster and further than all the other pups in the competition. 1,300 kilometres in three weeks. That's more than the distance from Brisbane to Canberra. Really cool. That's so far. That's a long way. I think it could be a world record. Alex says that Earl is an amazing worker. He reckons a good working dog can sometimes do as much work as what five people could do. Best of all, the only thing the pooch asks for in return is food, water, kisses and cuddles. I think it's very cute that it gives him kisses and hugs. Me too. Good boy, Earl. Story number four. Carmel Ryan lives at Waygat Beach near Darwin in the Northern Territory. She has been sewing and creating clothes since she was 10 years old. She learns her tips and tricks from her mum, who's a dressmaker. As she grew up, Carmel became more and more interested in sustainability. She wanted to make clothes in a way that was kinder to the environment. This year, Carmel created a special dress that you probably wouldn't be able to find on a clothes rack in a shop. It reminds me of going to the beach and collecting shells. It's colourful. It looks like she found it in the water and on the beach. You're right. The dress was created mostly from stuff that Carmel found around her house, but she also used things that she found on beaches near her home. She used avocados, animal bones, palm leaves and coffee filters. 
Everything is held together with stitches and homemade glue made using flour and water. Very creative. It's quite fascinating. It's really cool. Carmel's dress was a finalist in the Sustainable Nature category at this year's Australian Wearable Art Festival. To be considered for that prize, the clothing has to be made from only biodegradable things. That means stuff that can break down easily in the environment. Disintegrate means it's going to disappear after a long time. Carmel says when the time comes, her dress, which she named Love Till Dust, can be placed onto the earth and become part of nature again. Story number three. The Paramatildas are Australia's national soccer team for women and girls with disabilities, including cerebral palsy, acquired brain injuries or signs of stroke. Basically the Matildas, but um, with um, different players. Over the last two weeks, the Paramatildas have been competing in the Asia-Oceania Championships. That is an international soccer competition. They had a great run. They won match after match and they made it all the way to the final. They were up against Japan and it was a tough game. Both teams played hard, but the Paramatildas won. I don't know how they could do it. That's amazing. One of the players, named Nicole Christodoulou, scored a goal and she was named Player of the Tournament. Georgia Bykoff scored in the final too, and she was awarded the Golden Boot. That's the player who scored the most goals in the whole tournament. I think they felt really joyful and happy. Really excited. Sore. The Pararoos play in the competition too. That's the national soccer team for men with cerebral palsy, acquired brain injury or signs of stroke. They made it to the final too. And it was a close game. But Iran beat the Pararoos 2-0. Still, second place is pretty impressive. That's very cool. The Pararoos and the Paramatildas won other Aussies with cerebral palsy and acquired brain injury and symptoms of stroke to know that football is for everyone and that they should feel welcome. It will show people that if you have disability, you can still play soccer. The Paramatildas have only been around for two years and they're already champions of Asia and Oceania. That is an achievement to be proud of. Great work, Paramatildas. Story number two. 18-year-old James Downey grew up in Scarborough in New South Wales. But these days, he's living in the United States of America, studying and playing basketball. One day, while James was at a training session, one of his teammates, named DJ, collapsed. People started to panic. They weren't sure what to do to help their friend. But James sprang into action. He went over to DJ and started performing CPR. That stands for cardiopulmonary resuscitation. James learned about it when he did a first aid course. First aid is what we do to help someone who's sick or injured. Paramedics and doctors are really good at it because they've had a lot of training. But it's something that everyone can learn. First aid can be done on broken bones and cuts and scrapes, all kinds of injuries. 
If you have a first aid kit, you can go get it and use it if you really need it. DJ was having trouble breathing, so James did CPR until an ambulance arrived. Thanks to James's quick actions, DJ is okay. Amazing. I think he would feel really happy. He did the right thing and saved someone instead of just walking away. James said that he was surprised he was the only one in the group of people who knew some first aid. It turns out more people learn CPR in Australia than in America. Because of what happened to DJ and James, the school is going to introduce first aid training to all students so that they can be prepared if someone needs help. And now it is time for... Wow of the Week. This story made me go wow because the crater was bigger than I thought it would be. Deniloquin is a town in southwestern New South Wales and it could be the site of something extraordinary. Under the surface, scientists have mapped out what could be a giant crater. Something smashing into another thing and it creates a giant hole. It's a hole or something like a meteor um, smashes into it. There's a big hole in the ground and that's called, a, that's called a crater. Yep, a crater is a dent in the earth and it could be left over after something like a meteor or an asteroid smashed into the planet. Some scientists say the crater at Deniloquin could have been caused by the impact of a huge asteroid hitting the Earth hundreds of millions of years ago. This colossal crater's diameter is 520 kilometres. That's how wide it is. It's huge. It's humongous. I think I can fit like 1,500 whales in there. Not only is it huge, it's even bigger than the crater that was made by the asteroid that wiped out the dinosaurs. Three times wider. That's giant. Fascinating. It is. But not everybody agrees on what caused it. Other scientists reckon this underground abnormality wasn't made by an asteroid. They think it was made by the movement of the Earth's tectonic plates. After millions of years, it's hard to tell the difference between tectonic plates crashing together and an asteroid hitting the Earth. What that means is that scientists still have more detective work to do to uncover the true identity of this ancient underground anomaly. And with that, we have crash-landed at the end of another countdown. Thanks, Ruby. Thank you. You are very welcome. And while you patiently wait for next week's episode, you can do the news time quiz. The questions and the answers are in the show notes. Bye, Ruby. See ya. Have a good one. See you later. Or, as they say in Dutch, doei. News Time is an ABC Kids Listen podcast. For other awesome podcasts to play, music to move to and stories and soundtracks for sleep, download the ABC Kids Listen app. It's free from your app store.